0: Welcome to the R R Experience Podcast. Today's episode is dedicated to Mr. Clayborn J. Christian, Jr. He is the loving father of Clay Christian, who is a dear friend and a panelist on today's episode. Mr. Christian passed away shortly after this episode was recorded. We would like to extend our deepest condolences to Mrs. Christian, his son Clay, daughter-in-law Karen, and grandchildren Kaelin and CJ, as well as the entire Christian family. Mr. Christian left an indelible imprint on the hearts of many, and his legacy will live on. Rest well. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Regina and I wanted to have a conversation with men to ask questions and give opinions about a couple things. And we wanted to talk about parenthood, being a father, health, relationships, that sort of thing. So we thought it was important to go directly to the source. So we put together a diverse panel We have men who are married, single. We have men 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. So a diverse panel. So we're excited to get your input and hear your opinions about a few things.
1: All right. For you to introduce yourselves, um, your name, your relationship, job status, if you have children or anything else you'd like to share. So our listeners get to know you a little bit better while we're talking. So whoever wants to go first.
2: I can go first. So my name is John Zell Anderson. I have been married for almost six years. I have one uh, child, a daughter, three-year-old named Maya Jane. I work in private practice as a therapist. I'm also a writer, a podcaster, and yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me.
3: My name is Claiborne Christian. I'm a mental health therapist. I own an agency State of Florida, I'm licensed in Virginia as well. I've been married 26 years, 27 years. Ooh, edit that out. Edit that out. (laughs) Congratulations. I have two children. One is grown, one is almost grown. I'm working real hard to get these two children through school and get them launched. One of them is is easy. She is no problem. She is doing her thing, and then there's this other guy my namesake we're gonna have to kick him out the nest but he's all right too he's he's a great kid smart he just doesn't see the need for all the stuff that we had to grow through to get to where we are he's like he wants to do it his way i said man you're gonna waste a decade boy that's what we're doing
0: welcome
4: i'll go next my name is cam i'm 24 i have been a entrepreneur for about two years ever since covid happened pretty much so i'm a content creator and I do videography, I do photography, I ride bikes, I do a little bit of a lot of things. And I think that's good, you know, in today's day and age.
5: Leon Michael, I currently am moving from a behavioral health program that's housed in the school to a full time teaching role at a mastery charter school in Philadelphia. I teach African American history and algebra hopefully moving into the full-time role next year to be one or the other and i can just do that kind of do both is is insane and carry on still the behavioral health role that i have within the school it's a whirlwind three children i was married before unfortunately my wife passed away so i'm currently engaged now three children myself my fiance has two so we're blending a family five kids and I don't know what it's going to look like. The oldest is in college now, but once he's ready to leave the nest, I don't know what that struggle's going to be like. I'm just hoping that transition is smooth. But who knows? That's one of the things that's caused me a little angst right now. But we'll see. But nice to nice to be here. Nice to meet you guys.
1: Nice to meet you too.
0: Yeah, welcome guys. Welcome. Appreciate you. So we're gonna get started. This is probably a loaded question, but what is the definition of a man? A man is what?
3: Okay, I'll jump in here. I'm going old school. A man provides and protects. We boil it down to just that simplicity. That's all I ever knew. I
5: definitely agree. I think that's a a good start because that was my upbringing. That was the role my father kind of taught us. And then my stepfather, he stepped in and he was definitely one that was trying to provide and protect. So I, I agree with that. I
4: agree with all of that. And I like to add, I think a man, for me personally, I believe that a man is someone that is willing to understand and not only everything that's going on around them and other people, but themselves as well. So that comes down to their emotions as well, because I feel like there's been a big stigmatism as I was growing up of a man being someone that does not show emotion uh, and is able to conquer every every situation. And I think that kind of Misconstrued what a man was to me.
2: I think I might fall on the opposite end of the spectrum. If Clay was really old school, I'm a little bit more nuanced in my answer. Not that I disagree, but I think when you ask the question of what is a man, I would say a a human being, a a human first, a person, right? Um, from there, it's very unique based on where you find yourself in life, if you're, you know, operating through life as I am a human being, therefore, all of us have that value on our humanity. um, I think it kind of stems from there. But I do agree with the aspects of doing what you need to do to acquire the resources and protect those that you love. I don't always subscribe wholeheartedly to the traditional gender roles, though, when it comes to masculinity, femininity, or in between.
0: How has your relationship with your father influenced your definition of being a man? Not, not a father, but just being a man. We'll talk about fatherhood later.
5: I do appreciate the aspect when we spoke of this a few seconds ago that provide and protect. I think he gave me that kind of example. However, I'm not here to throw my pop under the bus, but there were some things that he did that as an adult now, I can look back and, and having kids of my own and becoming my own man, I do differently. I know for his time, certain things may have worked. But I think as we continue to progress, there's aspects that I kind of look back and I'm like, well, this this is the way I'll carry it and not necessarily follow 100% how he laid it out for me, if I could say that.
3: My dad is my guy. I have attempted to not immolate him because everybody's not perfect. None of us are. so. The perfection thing is out the window. He was the go-to guy for stuff. He would tell me what to do. Past 21, I remember calling him and say, Dad, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And so as I deal with CJ mostly, it's kind of falling in the same, that uh, I'm being harder now, but I could see in the future we would do stuff like watch the Warriors game. My wife laughs because we used to sit in the room together and never talk, because that's not what we do. In fact, we laugh at the Three Stooges, off, but he's the first guy I call, or he used to be. He, he suffers dementia now, so that has changed, and I've had to grieve that. But he was always my go-to. He was my best man at my wedding. I joke about it, but, man, i still be looking up to him, man.
1: You touched on, even though sometimes y'all would sit together and not really talk, you'd be laughing about something, it's still that connection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely still that connection.
3: She called every day my dad called every day and if i was in a session i would say excuse me i knew the the call was going to be three minutes how to cars? how to kid <laughs> in that order all right man i check on you later every day it was always dad, you know that's a good connection to have mm-hmm.
0: so and the fact that you made time for him means everything you pause your life for him so that's yeah. really good
4: okay I think I idolized my dad because I thought he was the ideal version of a man. But somewhere along my ending teenage years and my early adulthood, I realized he's just a human that's trying to figure it out as well. And he makes mistakes too. And at that point I had to shift in my mind that I need to become the best man for myself and what I believe was the best man and what that represents rather than kind of following the footsteps. I more so just kind of plucked away all the good nutrients that I could pull from him and leave behind the bad mistakes that maybe he could not and things that I could take on myself. So helpful and insightful, but ultimately just led me to a path where I'm molding and becoming my own version.
2: My perspective I think differs again here. It sounds blunt, but basically wasn't shit. I think for me, from a very young age, because I did have some interactions sprinkled throughout my upbringing, I I would say that at a very young age, there were times where I can look back at things that I said, and I was like, where did that come from? There were conversations that I had where either with my mom or my father, and I was like, I know when I'm an adult, I'm not going to do it like y'all are doing this. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of had this, I need to do the opposite of this. I don't know where that came from, but at a very young age, but as far as how the relationship influenced me being a man, it pretty much, I had a roadmap of what not to do. Mm -hmm. So, whereas my father was not involved or, you know, and I said, I said that, you know, being a man is to be human. Right. Mm -hmm. So I acknowledge I'm a therapist. I never have met a perfect person. And I understand that we're all equal in our value as human beings, but at the same time throughout life and experiences, you learn that you set boundaries with people. So as far as how it influenced me being a man today, I literally, as a parent, I just do the complete opposite. If you're completely uninvolved or uninterested or have ulterior motives, if I do the opposite and I'm involved and I'm engaged and I am engaged with my child so far three years in, she's doing great. You. Might be able to hear her playing in the background, but I think the another part of that, the influence of who I am, it almost makes me kind of. I don't think I hold bitterness or resentment, but it does. It does strike me as odd because I remember during the pandemic, um, my daughter was a baby. She was about three months old when the pandemic lockdown started. I would go on walks because that's all you could do. So, I'd walk through the neighborhood with the stroller, and people would stop and be like, Oh, it's so good to see a black man taking care of his child. And I always thought that was really odd. Mm-hmm. Why am I being commended? Why am I being praised for doing something that I chose to do? So, unfortunately, a lot of black fathers that a lot of people can relate with that or know somebody who's been that person to the point where when you are doing what you're supposed to do, you get praised for something that you probably shouldn't. It Mm -hmm. should just be, you should do what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of my long answer to that question. Mm
0: -hmm. Any feedback from anyone for what has been said so far?
5: It is crazy, though, when you get the compliments for things that you're basically supposed to do. I don't engage. I talk it up. I don't want to judge anybody, but I can kind of figure out their mindset. And I'm just going to not interact with them. It's only going to make me frustrated. But a whole lot of that. Uh, look at you taking care of doing this and that. And I'm like, whoa, those are the basics. That's that's what I do. It is what it is. I don't need. The it's bar so is low. very low. That's the box they're putting me. In? But i want to to comment on that. Mm hmm.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Cam mentioned something about parenthood, perfection and mistakes. I think as we get older, we realize that our parents are human and we do make mistakes along the way. And that not forgiveness piece, but just recognize that the human piece that you were talking about, Genzel, as well. People are human. But if fathers don't show up and the bar is low, we need to set a different bar. I, I do commend you guys for showing up and being there for your children. It's a good thing.
1: So, this next question definitely is kind of piggybacking off of what we just talked about. How do you feel Black men are portrayed in society? Do you think it's based a lot on social status, financial status, on how you're viewed?
2: I'll start this time. I grew up in the 90s. In the 90s, as a child, I was like, oh, life is good. And we learn snippets about civil rights, and with me being biracial, I kind of learned the nuance of 30, 40 years ago, there was problems if you're in a mixed race relationship or, you know, those different things or in some Mm -hmm. like literally the state of Virginia, I think it was illegal Mm -hmm. at some point. So growing up in the 90s, 2000s, I just thought, oh, things have gotten so much better. Unfortunately, I think as I've evolved into adulthood, I've seen a lot of regression from my own perspective. So whereas it seemed peaceful and everything like that, September 11th really rocked that for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And as I think we've gone through the the tens, I don't know what you call that, those years, really since 2016, if you know what happened then, on, but the young man who was just shot in the head for ringing the wrong doorbell. So (laughs) as far as the perspective, the value, the status of the Black man, I... As time goes on, the older I get, and mind you, I'm a whole therapist who does all of the self-care things that I'm supposed to do to keep my mental health and everything straight. I think that the value is, there are people that don't, if we have more value than they they feel comfortable with, we're in danger. That's where I'm feeling right now. Mm -hmm. To the point where someone can just open their door and shoot somebody in the head like that unprovoked. And I've had my life threatened by law enforcement and things like that before. To me, the value is based on the society that we live in. It's continuing to be something that has been very polarized. Um, There have been political events that have made it to where those who were low-key racist can be loud and proud racist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without um, accountability. And quite frankly, it is dangerous. I don't feel safe in some spaces. So that's my answer to
1: that. My view is I think it at one time, a very small time, that I think if a black man had a good financial status, you kind of got a pass. But I think now what's going on in the world, what I'm seeing, it doesn't matter if you could be dressed in a suit. And then you could be dressed in t-shirt and jeans. You're both viewed the same. You're both a threat. And I feel like at some point in years ago, you kind of got a little bit of a pass. Like, oh, he's successful. He's doing the right thing. He's not a danger. But now I don't don't think it it matters whether you have a million dollars in your bank account or if you have 50. All are in danger. Y'all feel the same or?
3: I don't. I look out my window. I live in a white neighborhood. My clients, 60-40, are white. I don't speak as clear as I used to. I speak like I want to. You can tell that I'm black. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. You can hear it in my name, Claiborne, J. Christian Third. I do carry the doctor on the front of it, and I make you say that, but you can see that I'm black, clearly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let you, because when I read the Constitution I have, it says we equal, mm-hmm. and every time I look in the mirror, I'm equal. Plus, I serve a God, and I'm I'm equal. He made me equal, so I walk in equality. I am it, okay. And I'm telling you how to fight this thing. So I like all that. kind of stuff might be happening on the outside, but it ain't coming near me, man. I'm not gonna let you scare me. I got weapons in the house. Just let y'all know. <laughs> My children know how to use weapons. My wife's scared of them, but she knows where they are. You're not coming here talking no stuff, but if you're going to come here and be nice to me and you're going to wave at me like my neighbors and you're going to leave stuff and help us with the yard and all that, man, I'm, I'm going to treat you the same way. I'm not going to let you bully me. I'm old now. I used to fight and I used to fight a lot. And I got scars, but I, can't, <laughs> but I can still talk that talk, right? I'm saying that because I'm pushing my buttons. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous that we are walking around afraid because of the situation with stupid media and stupid politicians. They all suck because none of them, none of them are on your side. You got to be on your side. Okay. And we got to take care of each other. I don't look at a brother when I see him with distrust, you know, and I think the media feeds into that. So we don't trust each other. Mm. So we have them and the cops and everybody else to worry about. I told my son, if you get pulled over by the cops in your car, you say yes or no, sir. Your goal is to get home. Exactly. We're not fighting. We will fight for you. You're not raising your voice. You're not doing anything disrespectful. Respect that man to the utmost. If he disrespects you, you eat that, then you get home. And then we're going to put things together and go after But we're not going to fight in the streets. We're not going to put ourselves in danger. We're going to be smart. But I'm not going to be in fear either. I live in Florida because it's a right to carry state. Carry your weapons. You know, have them. Protect yourself, but don't don't start it. That's all I'm saying. Does anyone
0: else have any feedback on that question?
3: In my
4: opinion, I kind of see it from both points of views. I I see it for how you know the world is ugly, and you can't get rid of that. And it also depends on the area that you're in, right? The media portrays a lot of things, and I I kind of stepped away from watching media. But from my opinion, I'd say in the last ten years. I have seen growth between the racism kind of starting to boil down. And if anything, I see more so a, I don't want to say a trend, but more so people starting to think oddly of people that still hold that racism in their heart, right? So it's almost like that's that's not cool anymore, you know? And more people are speaking up for it. And that's people outside of color as well. People are more fondly of of races and especially when it comes back down to to black people. But at the end of the day, it's still relevant. It's still there. And everything that we were going through 10 years ago, we still are still going through now. It's all still relevant. Mm
5: -hmm. I know I should feel the way that I think is it Claymore? Clay. Clay, I I should feel that way. I think the community of children that I try to reach every day when I work, In Philadelphia, I think they should feel that way as black young men coming up, growing into being men. But I do think that that actual status black man has yet to be defined here. We still haven't figured it out. And within ourselves as a black community, I don't know if we've actually touched on how we feel black men should be defined and what our role should be. I think there's too much nonsense centered around it. It's not so they don't give us a blueprint on TV. They'll let every white male on TV, be Captain America or be this role or be that role. And then the kids look up to it. We look at it and we see, we see every character straight to find in these white men, but as black men, we don't see that, you know? So I think it's within us to try to find that. And I do feel good when black men feel that way. I just feel like that's somewhere. I don't think all of us have gotten to yet. I think there still needs to be some growth there.
0: And I do think it depends on where you live. If you're living in a community yeah. where there's safety, you know, you're financially secure, it's different. So I think there's a lot of things that go into your comfort and how you move and walk in this world. It's easier for some people to do that. Um, if you're looking at educational status and employment, all of that plays a factor, I think, when it comes to safety. Yeah.
2: I want to add one more thing to that trying to think of a concise way to say it respectability politics don't help in my case and my experience and the people I work with because I have a master's degree I hold a professional counseling license in three states I have run my own business for over four years but I had most of those accolades during the times where my life has been threatened Mm. where I've been racially profiled or flat out just cussed out and called racial slurs in my own neighborhood. Um, So those, in my experience, those things don't protect me. I know that my perspective may be more on the negative side of things, but obviously every walk of life where you live, what neighborhood you live in, what you do, it it can vary from place to place. Mm
3: -hmm. So, Donzel, I was going to say, I think I've been through all of those things. And I think where we are now is that I'm sick of being on the wrong side of it. You understand? So when when somebody walks in your office, notices you, and then walks out, I'm to the point either that's going to eat me up or I'm going to ignore that, okay? Because there is no way that I can fight that person back, you know? Now, especially in my 50s, I can't fight them no more. I used to want to fight them, but I still can't. So... Some of that stuff I've had to drop because you can't fight the power forever. Okay.
2: You got to choose your battles. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And protect your energy. Exactly. From hatred. That's a big
3: one. I think back to 1992 and, you know, fight the power, right? In 1989, I'm in undergrad. And so I'm that guy. And so what you see now is that guy, got old, and it reminds me of, I'm going to get you a sucker. He said, the brothers wasn't ahead no more. You know, they got jobs. You guys got to watch. I'm going to get you sucker. But I didn't go work for the white man, but I ended up working for myself. And the struggles of that and being able to take care and set the money and stuff for my kid has engulfed my life. Like, like Cam said, I'm not watching the news. I see everything, but the news will bring you down. You'll be full on depressed if you listen to the news. And some of that stuff, I'll never talk about that again. Because I ain't even living that life, man. And I wasn't doing nothing then. I was a nerdy big boy who just used to play football. I'm just a nerd and I was trying to get through school, but I've had to let that stuff go. And to me, the biggest muscle that I'm exercising now is the muscle of forgiveness. Hmm. So I hear, not you guys, but when I hear people talk, it is always forgiveness for me. It's helped me not be angry as I was about the circumstance. And my goal is to get over the circle that I stand in and not be under that circumstance,
1: okay? Now, does anyone have an honest fear when you walk out your house every day because of police brutality and all that's going on in the world? Do you have that sense of fear? Like, is it just, it's not fear, but I am aware? Or do you, you know what, I'll block that out today. Or is it always there?
4: Considering my dad was law enforcement, I think it taught me how to deal with every encounter kind of properly. My dad always said, you gotta start from ground zero because sometimes you'll come into an encounter where uh, let's say the law enforcement officer is coming in at 50% or 75% or even 100 and he's hot and you have to de-escalate every situation. Mm. So when it comes to those police encounters, Mm. you have to use every bit of brain power that you have to be able to control the situation, no matter where you stand in it. You know, if you're right or wrong, you have to be able to think very concise and clearly and and be in control. If you lose your heat and you start getting stressed out, that situation can take a turn for the worse or escalate very quickly. And that's one thing that I've learned to, to be very aware of.
1: Are you more aware of those things now than you were, let's say, 10 years ago?
4: I wasn't even driving ten years ago. Okay. But when I let's let's just say when I started driving. Okay. Because that's when I started to have my encounters. Okay. I'm not the safest driver, but when I started to have my encounters with cops and and just my encounters, I learned as I went. Mm-hmm. But I learned very quickly too, and I, I saw both sides. You know, I saw what disrespect caught me and, and if the guy disrespected me and I returned it with disrespect, I saw that it got me nowhere. Mm-hmm. It did not help. I learned that ultimately just being respectful and no matter what situation and just biting that bottom lip as much as I needed to. Even if the, the officer was treating me with disrespect, which I have feel like, you know, me being black has played a role in and I did have a little bit of criticism or profiling. I had to just be respectful and, and treat him with as much uh, respect as I could. But uh, well, I was trying to touch back on something that Clay said earlier about uh, compassion, and I think it was along the lines of, I think when we have an encounter of someone, let's say you said uh, someone coming into the office and then turning around once they see, you know they see who you are, mm-hmm. that's one of those things where I've learned to adapt to compassion because for those humans that think that way and their their mental works that way, to me, I have to dig down and, and be as human as I can and just show love and compassion for them because that tells me how their brain works, which also means, I don't know, I believe in karma too. So mm-hmm. seeing how that energy is pouring out of them and that hatred is coming out of them directing towards me, I have my force field of love up. So I don't allow it to affect me, but it also kind of gives me some peace of mind because it tells me like they're harming themselves more than they are harming me, you know, to give out that harmful negative energy.
5: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm,
4: Yeah. But yes, that's
5: it. Yeah, if I can. That was good. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I'll say in my neighborhood, I haven't encountered any issue with law enforcement. Every interaction I've had with law enforcement has been positive. I do feel like at any moment, though, I am concerned because I think at the drop of a hat, things can change. The situation can get out of hand, and because of the color of my skin, it could go a different direction than it should. What makes me feel that way, because there's still members in this community who've taken care of me and my family when we were at our worst time, when when my wife was passing away. We had food delivered to our house every day for like 90% of three years. They were so supportive. However, you fast forward, Mm -hmm. then Trump getting elected, and these same people are showing a side that I didn't see. Although they treated me really well, I always want to embrace that and remember that that's what I needed at that time, and I couldn't have got through without the comfort and support of my neighbors. However, when they hit the fan and all the tension was high, then it was a side of them that I never saw before. We have a a neighbor that just moved in across the street. Now, I don't know what these people do. This man comes out of his house. It's a black man. Uh, He's dressed. He looks like he's a doctor. His wife looks like he could own her own law practice. They're sharp. The cars in their driveway, they got Cadillacs. They seem to be really well off. But 4th of July, I'm at the neighbor's house and we're just shooting a breeze or whatever. And he's like, Do you think these people are across the street? He's like, I think they're they're stuck up. They didn't come and introduce themselves to us. And this was a white man talking. And he lit a M eighty and tossed it over to his front yard. m M80, a fire like the fire fireworks. Boom. And I said, Oh see, I gotta go. So me and my friends, we walked down the street back to my house and I just Mm -hmm. quietly just said, I really feel like he did that because it was a black family. Mm -hmm. So I still got to be mindful of that.
1: And that I was saying, like, some things are based on financial status. So you're saying that they're well off. They seem like they're doing well. So then that person has a perception of, oh, well, they're being stuck up because they didn't introduce themselves versus if it was a white family. And that had the same things that they do, and they didn't, they wouldn't even say anything, It'd just be like, Oh, well, you know, they just didn't want to speak or whatever, but it wouldn't be an issue. But they're questioning it because of their financial status. Like, well, why aren't they introducing themselves? They're stuck up.
5: Right. Meanwhile, I see a new neighbor pull up and they're black. And I want to rush over to the neighborhood and do all that. But I kind of fall back. I don't want to do it just because they're black either. You know what I'm saying? I'm actually excited for my perception of them being well off, because I'm mm-hmm, I'm glad that you mm-hmm. got to that status. Now I didn't have a conversation with them. I don't know what they do, but but at the same time, if I'm assuming, I want to give them all the props in the world because he's a black man and he came up.
0: I wanted to elaborate on something you said. Back in the day, we didn't really know how our neighbors felt about certain things like race relations, politics. You went to cookouts, school plays, you interacted. You didn't have that conversation. And then something shifted. And I think we found out where people stood politically. And then it became personal, Mm -hmm. right? They they probably felt that way before. You just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. On the surface, it was okay because we waved to our neighbors. We hung out with them. And that was a good thing. Right, but then when you found out we people stood politically on some of the issues, it changed the dynamics of things. And I don't know if people noticed that or not, or if they want to elaborate on that.
3: Yes, I have noticed that. But what I also have noticed is that we, as a society, and I'm gonna jump on you, younger guys, and I'm sorry, but you guys cannot debate the position. Either you didn't learn how to do it, or you guys don't do it. You guys go into your corners. I don't care what you what you vote. I can defend my position on how I think about whatever I think about because I know how to debate it and I got some facts and I read and I listen to both sides. I'm going to be able to defend that. And I wish we did more of those conversations because Mike, I believe that dude felt comfortable talking with you about him because he felt comfortable with you, you know, because y'all have had real conversations and he knew you. And my thoughts are, I think we need to engage people on, why I believe differently than you not trying to fight you. I just want to tell you this so that we can come to common ground and find where we do agree. Am I right or am I wrong? Yo
4: clay, I I agree with you, but I want to want to note something is not everyone can have that conversation,
3: right? Mm
4: -hmm. Not everybody knows how to have a debate. Everybody kind of wants to be right. You know what I mean? They, they need to be right. And if they're wrong, they feel some type of way about it. And it's kind of hard to have the whole we both agree to disagree type of ordeal.
3: So when, where did we lose that? Where did we lose, you know, to be in a marriage for a long time? You got to, some, some things you got to agree to disagree about.
4: So I don't think we, I don't think we lost it though. I think, I think we never learned it.
3: Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. All right. I would, I would add to that perspective to that I guess it depends on what we're talking about when it comes to matters of race. For example, I live in a neighborhood where I'm pretty sure I'm one of the only, maybe there's one other that I know of, a house with black people in it. There was some people across the street, but they, when they did move in, they were renting and the one guy came over, he was like, you're black. I'm so glad that I see somebody else because <laughs> these white people are nosy and they make me uncomfortable. I live in a suburb of Petersburg, which is called Colonial Heights, and it's nicknamed Colonial Whites. Colonial Whites. Oh, yes. um, and my, my experience being here, the only reason I live here is because it was too expensive to buy a house in Richmond City. It was much cheaper to buy my house here. And as a byproduct, I'm just uncomfortable with the surroundings, but I also... To what you said, Clay, I did my community, and I go on runs through here, and Hey man, I, uh, I'm
3: sorry. I did not know you mm-hmm. lived in Colonial Heights. Forget everything I told you.: <laughs> I get
2: But the thing is, most of the racism I've experienced with law enforcement was in Richmond City. And in, mm-hmm. County, and in Chesterfield County. Definitely Chesterfield, yes. I believe County. that, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not just Colonial Heights. It's literally <laughs> all over the place. But going back to what I was saying, there's not other Black families around here. But then also we have, you know, Virginia is interesting on its history because, I go on my run, like I went running today, and I have to pass the little landmark that says this was the headquarters of Robert E. Lee's army. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have to, I'm in these these spaces that carry energy, and not even to get woo-woo, but things have happened here, and historically this place was not for me, you know? But I think going back to the having those conversations with people, it's very, pol- and I think, uh, Cam had mentioned this, sometimes it's very polarizing. I believe I've done a lot of debating. I went to a a liberal arts college where you're supposed to speak your, speak what you got to say and back it up with facts. I know how to do that, but I've learned that when it comes to matters of race in particular, and and I truly, I get clay what you're saying and you're older. So you've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, Hey, I'm going to exist and I'm, I'm not going to even give the energy over to those who don't want me around. But There's a power differential. There's no incentive for a white person to want to debate with me. There is a shift where I have to, I have to, first of all, present myself in a certain way to get you to look at me to respect what I say. But then at the end of the day, there's so many systems in place that what I say, I have to. I have to give a great amount of energy to get you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. The other way around, they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it could go political too, and stuff like that. There are certain people who are like, "No, I got mine. I'm good. I got this, this, and this." Th- there are a lot of people, and I will say that. And I've only lived thirty years, so I can't speak to the nope. amount of experience. <laughs> I know. But from my time that I've been alive and the awareness that I have and through the work that I do, I do get to talk to people from a lot of different walks of life, which does give me some perspective. I'm not saying I know it all. I definitely don't. But there's a huge amount of polarization that has happened in the past, I want to say, seven to eight years, um, to where there are whole groups of people who will literally deny science, the will, just, I believe this, this is right, you're wrong, you don't matter if you don't believe the way that I do. And me personally, me, myself, and I, I don't have the energy, nor do I give a fuck (laughs) to try to engage with you. If you don't like my, that's why I'm saying, I'm in Colonial Heights, I'm out here, I'm Black, I'm six foot five, I have locks. There are a lot of people who don't want me around, Mm. and I don't give a fuck. But at the same time, I do have to, like Michael um, had said, that you think of, okay, well, there's the doctor, and they drive the Cadillacs and stuff like that. I drive a Volvo. I work my ass off to get a luxury vehicle, but people look at me, and people are confused, and it's not congruent when you see me the way that I present myself, and unapologetically, they view that as, what? why does he have that? Mm-hmm. And I've literally... Encountered things like that. This is why I don't want to. It. And it's not that I can't debate because I can.
0: You can hold your own. Yes. Fulfilled. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: give receipts, facts, books, references, everything, and not give you a word in edgewise or stop and let you try to figure it out. I can really do that. I just don't have the energy because I do believe that with the polarization, I can say all that I need to say, but if it's not going to be heard, I'm talking to a brick something, wall. and then, yeah, I'm giving my energy over to something that it's bouncing out. And then I'm like, I have a lot of other things that are worthwhile that I can give my energy to. So that's kind of where I'm at tying it all together, agreeing, okay. disagreeing and all of that. So
0: It's that sense of entitlement. When I hear you speak, Zo, that comes mm-hmm. out loud and clear. When you're dealing with someone who feels entitled, it's it's hard because they're coming from a position of I'm already better than you, or I know more than you. I'm the expert. And you have to prove yourself to them. And you're saying, I don't have the
5: energy to do that. I don't need to do that. I'm good. And I agree. I agree 100%. I just hate that we're there. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, I don't want you to Mm -hmm. give a fuck about anybody. You carry yours, you hold your business, and you do your thing. Meeting you right now, I feel like you have a ton to offer. And I would appreciate if you would have conversations with people and break some gaps and bring us close together. Piggybacking off what you started earlier, I think we've had every movement possible in those past seven years. And I think the news and social media have made us feel like we're polarized for those who engage on those platforms. And I I refuse to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wanna have those conversations. If there's people that wanna have those conversations, I do want to have those conversations with them. What I won't do is dump on a social media platform because I know the direction that can go. But I, not in any way am I saying you should start doing that? Because I do feel like you. But I do wish there was a space that we could have these conversations. Because I do feel like we're still capable of doing that. Because I, I don't want to keep carrying on. Like, I don't care about what they have to say. I'm just going to go do me. Because I don't know if we're really built for the autonomous nature that they want us to follow here. I think we are more of a community. We're not. You know, I want to get back to that. But at the same time, I got bills to pay, I got kids to raise, I got fiance to take care of. I've been told I fit in, cause I, I got green eyes. I'm not trying to be that token dude. My father was in the nation, a Freemason. So the way we grew up, like if they knew that, then they wouldn't be oh, he's like him with green eyes and they wouldn't classify me as the token dude. They'd be like, oh, we don't want to deal with him. But at the same time, I wish there was a space that we could have these conversations mm-hmm. and get back to work. Cause I think we were there. I think we were there. We just kind of got derailed a little bit. I will
2: say we, we're creating these spaces. Like this podcast is creating That's what space. I was going to say. <laughs> um, this podcast is creating a space. I have a podcast where I talk with, it's specifically about mental health for folks of color, but I've been bringing people in because I do a mental health book club. And I've been talking with, you know, white people from rural areas, people of different backgrounds, experiences, ages, and stuff like that. So I think... As much as I say it's it's hard to engage in stuff like that, I do create spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't like social media because it is quite polarizing. I unsubscribed from the newspaper subscription I had during the pandemic, and I will never, ever go back. I have my filters ironclad on social media. And I only got 30 minutes of screen time on there a day anyway. And I don't even use that. Mm -hmm. So I am very much protecting my energy from what can come at me. I do engage with the safe spaces that either I create for myself, my clients, people in my community. And I also engage with other spaces like this one here that that makes me feel safe. But I agree with what you said, Mike, it is a little heartbreaking that it's hard to find those spaces to have the conversations. Cause I would love to have the conversations. And when I meet people one-on-one, I can do that. But when it comes to, I feel like you can't scale it. You can't without getting shut down. You, can't. you have to do it on individual things. And maybe the small steps are what makes a big difference, but I just wish it was making a bigger difference a little bit faster.
3: But I think that's the way, which we, I can't control that. I think that's the way we have to do it on an individual basis, because once you get into the large numbers, Nobody is talking to each other. People are talking at each other. At each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking to each Mm -hmm. other, I have never met a person in 20 years of practice. I have never met somebody, not Asian, Asian Indian, not any nationality that I've seen who doesn't want the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. They want Mm -hmm. to live in Mm -hmm. a safe space. They want to have enough money. They want their kids to be safe and go to good schools. All of those things we all agree on. The problem is we disagree on how to get to the destination and what gets blown up by the news media and everything is how we get there because see owning a business i don't want you to tax me i don't want you to take my money because i can do better with my money but then if i were in a different position we need to tax the rich when, when did i become rich i'm just a regular dude working but you <laughs> me. if i was rich i'd have a Bentley I mean y'all know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. But but I do. then I but then I gotta write that check every April fifteenth or <laughs> whatever this is, because I haven't written it yet. But you know, I'm taking some penalties right now because waiting. And people like us
2: I was gonna say it was due on my 18th, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah I, I didn't write it. I didn't, anyway. <laughs> so when we're at that point, they talk about them and you hear the politicians talk about those people and those people. When you stop saying those people, you look back, wait a minute, they talking about me. Mm-hmm. So when they were talking about Black people in poverty, I'm just going to be real, y'all. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm Black people in poverty, they say, hey, poor dude, just for the Blacks in poverty. They not talking about me. They ain't talking about me ever because my p- mom and daddy ain't there either. So all of us are not the same. And so we have to work individually to let them know my best friend right now is my neighbor. He's a 67-year-old guy, and we smoke the pipe. We Not the pipe. Mm, yeah, you got to clarify that, Clay. <laughs> Please clarify.
1: Tobacco oh, no, wait, pipes.
3: No judgment okay. here, if so. <laughs> <laughs> <No judgment. clears throat> we smoke tobacco together. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy is great, man. We agree on so many things. And then we disagree on a little bit of stuff, you know, on the political direction. But we can have that conversation because we came together on some other stuff. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make some sense? It does. Yeah, and I, it does. This is
0: the thing. This is kind of cliche, but it's something I live by and I tell my kids. We judge things we don't understand, right? And once, if you have a conversation, open dialogue with someone, you get clarity. It may not change your position, but you have a better understanding of where people stand. And to me, that that's important. And I think that is what you guys are saying here
3: today. So that
0: open dialogue and that communication is important.
3: Well, rock, you just brought back hope in this podcast has brought me hope in the, the next generation, because until today I was like, they were lost, man. but I met two dudes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, gonna <be> right. <laughs> it's going to be all right.
0: It's going to be all right. Yes. <laughs> the future is I, bright. <laughs> it is. It is.
2: I feel that way with the generation below me too. Cause I, I specialize in working with teenagers and college students. So I'm 30. So to meet to, to them, I'm old, huh. which is a whole thing that, that I'm not even allowing my brain to wrap around yet that I'm the old person. Now I used to call 30 somethings old and now <laughs> I'm the old person, but we digress. But there have been times where I'm like, I mean, I look at some, they'll show me their text messages and I'm like, oh, y'all turn off the features to capitalize words and punctuation. Now y'all don't even try. So I look at those and I'm like, oh God, it's bad. But then you hear some things like their ability to, they have a level of acceptance and a level of like creativity and a level of innovation. (laughs) And they talk about mental health. They talk about all this stuff. We didn't talk about it when I was in high school. So I have hope in the younger generation, despite how dumb they are. And that's me being funny, despite how they're missing some of the parts. Right. But everyone thought that about me when I was that age. Right, right. So you can look down at my generation and be like, okay, there's some hope because he knows what he's talking about. I can pass that on and say, I look down, I look at the teenagers and the college students that I talk to, and they give me hope, too. That's why I love working with them, because despite that they have some growing to do and things like that, They're my hope to make the world better because I see more hope that direction than I do where I'm at in my generation and older, Mm -hmm. just from movement wise. I feel like they have the most power and ability to impact the world that we live in now.
1: Okay, that was good. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships. So I Relationships? Yes. So I think Cam is the only single one on here. Am I correct? I am. All right. So this is a question for you. What qualities are you looking for when asking someone on a date? Because from where I see it, I'm a 48-year-old female, and I'm looking in on social media at, you know, guys on social media and what they post in relationships. And I'm just looking at it like, Do y'all have any qualities that y'all look for? Because me looking in, I I don't see that you're looking for any qualities.
0: Shots have been fired. (laughs) Shots fired. Let's hear your response. Let's hear your response.
1: (laughs) Help us understand. Cam,
5: Cam, 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 put it on. We, I don't know if you need legal representation before you fire back. But
4: take a and we're here for you, bro. We're here. We got <laughs> I got my support team here. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So, all right, Regina, to be honest, I, I don't know if I blend in with the masses. You know what I mean? I've always kind of been on a different path and I've always ran my own race, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. When it even comes to dates, I don't even do dates. I prefer to meet a female by, and that's the, that's the way that I go, but... I prefer to meet a female by the luck of fate. And I just let it happen, right? And I let let the evolution of, oh, shoot, you know, it kind of just falls into place, right? But when I am meeting a person, I'm like, okay, I like their energy, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first step. Then from there, I start kind of checking off my checklist. And at that point, I'm just super aware. And now this did not happen overnight. I was not like this as a teenager. It took me you know, a couple of relationships to kind of get up to speed. But now when it comes to it, I'm looking for plenty of any red flags that are going off. But more importantly, I'm looking for the green flags. I'm looking for how a female speaks, how they think, how they move, how they carry themselves. What are they accepting of? You know what I mean? What Where's their line? Where do they have to boss up? Is there a line? You know what I mean? Do they stand up for themselves? There's there's a multitude of certain things, but I'm not even looking for a girl. I'm looking for a young woman. I'm 24, and I hope that I can find someone that's that's evolving that way, or at least is aspiring to to move that way. Um, and outside of that, I'm looking for someone with goals and is working on themselves, very aware of themselves, and take care of themselves. You know, mentally. I think that's a big part of for me and who I'm looking for because I can accept a lot of people with failures and, and mistakes, but it, it's one thing to make a mistake, but it's, it's one thing to not learn from it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between there, but yeah, that's kind of the surface of what I'm looking for. And I, and I let it go deeper, you know?
1: So I would okay. say, yeah, you're definitely <laughs> not like most of the norm. 20, 24, <laughs> yeah. We're clapping old, on that one. Yes. Because it seems like the look, physical aspect is at the very top for most so what you're saying you didn't even mention that at all you were talking Mm -hmm. about energy and what you know kind of what they can bring to the table
4: well i will say i will say i do believe that taking care of themselves is a part of mental health Mm -hmm. so whether that's eating healthy or going to the gym that all you know dilutes but as long as they are taking care of themselves that's most important. If they want what's best for themselves and they're working to their to be them be, their best version of themselves, that's the important keynote that I wanna take home, you know?
0: Well, that's good. That's good. So for our married men or those in a committed relationship, what qualities attracted you to your spouse or partner?
3: Round, brown, no, I'm joking. Round and brown, oh. okay. <laughs> I hope she doesn't hear that. <laughs> In all all seriousness, what attracted me to my wife is that we laughed at the same stuff. You know, our jokes and conversations. In fact, we've got all four of us now. I know you guys do too. Everybody does as a family. But you have your own language. And you guys laugh at the same, same things. So we have this thing that we do now. Because everybody's strong in vocabulary, we purposely mess up a word and then give it another definition. So the man was asking directions and my daughter will say, isn't that, isn't that something that men have when they get older? They, don't they have problems with their directions? And and then my son will jump in and it'll say, no, and he'll have another word that rhymes with direction, correction, the other word. And, then. <laughs> and so it'll go on. And my wife always stops it right around the fourth generation because she's like, all right, that's enough now. We've exhausted that one. But- we kinda are on the same wavelength. We were friends, we were friends, we could see the same stuff, or heard the same, she's famous for hearing the same verbal mistake. People in Florida say a Pacific instead of specific. Oh. And we would be in a class or something, and she would look up, she'd look at me, and I'm looking up too, I'm like, oh, they did mess that up, mm. And <laughs> just being on the same wavelength, <laughs> when everything went, Forgive me, this is adult, right? Everything that was east and west went north and south for all of us. And all the men went east and west. And, you know, we went this way and they went this way. I'm confused. Uh, no, what I'm, are not you going saying? To, I'm not going to explain that. I'm not going to John
0: Cam, ex- Mike, can no. anybody explain?
3: <laughs>
0: what does this mean? I'm seriously confused. What are we talking about here?
3: Over years, people physically change change i'm gonna keep that just leave it like that but so when all of that goes away you got to have that conversation and be on the same page to be able to sustain the relationship
2: raquel what he's saying is that it's not the same brand new car on the lot that it was (laughs) in the beginning and i will segue into my response and say, I agree with you, Clay. One of the things that we'll be six years married in June, and if I think back to where we clicked at, we can be weird together, yeah. and we are the same brand of weird. Yes. We laugh at the same things, and we have the same. Like we'll have side backstories to things that if somebody was listening to us, they would lock us up in a psych yeah. board. <laughs> But we understand that language, and that's what. That's that comfort, yes. mm-hmm. and I wanted to say to Cam as a because you had mentioned when you were talking in your response about I hope I can find someone who's evolving and stuff like that, despite the fact that what we see on social media and the perspective of what young people are looking for may be very physical and oftentimes the dating scene is very much uh, the apps, which feels like a vending machine for mm-hmm. apps and
0: mm-hmm.
2: dick. There are, because I work with young people, um, like teenagers, 20-somethings, 30, you know, whatever, there are people out there, young women, who are evolving, and they're over here asking me, why can't I find someone who's evolving and something like that? So I promise you she is out there. So keep doing your evolving. You're going to find her. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to comment on that. But also, when you're finding her, look for someone who you can be weird with. and yes. then you Be comfortable that's, with your weirdness.
4: That's key. That's yeah. key. I forgot to mention that. But yeah. Thank you.
5: Yeah, I was, I was going to say the same. I think I understand her sense of humor. She doesn't think she's funny. But I think she's the most hilarious person I've ever met in my life. And she, sometimes she's not even trying to tell jokes. And I'm just laughing hysterically. I think that was one of those things. Then the, some of the things that just went unspoken, like the direction we want to take our family, the things that we think are best for our kids, how we want to provide for our kids, those those important things we never even really had to discuss. It was just like one of those things were just on the same page. They clicked and it was kind of easy. And I think it was the same for her. From the way she speaks to me or about me. I can tell we're on the same page with some of the things that we really even don't even need to discuss.
1: How do you guys feel about women that make more money? Is it intimidating or do y'all just like, I don't care just as long Bruh. as, because we in this together. Yes, <laughs>
5: we're in it together. <laughs> this one's difficult. This one's difficult. And I, <laughs> I say to my care all the time. She you knows that we'll talk about some of the things in my past. I'm like, I was knocked off course here and there. I think I should be in this bracket financially you know and she's like don't be so hard on yourself long story short (laughs) he makes more money than me so Mm -hmm. it is kind of difficult you know now her wins are my wins as well and i'm her biggest Mm -hmm. fan and i'm gonna say that i can legitimately say that i am her biggest fan i'll support her to the end and since we've met we've both been promoted and watching her get promoted like we're going back to back it's not a competition not a race but it's kind of like we're bigging each other up but it, it does from the standpoint of my examples and a man and how it's supposed to be it does hit me and take me back a little bit that she does make more than me i'm not gonna lie now i don't dwell on that i don't respond from that and i have talk to people about that so that way i can not respond from that point of view Because ultimately her wins are my wins, and like I said, I'm her biggest fan.
3: Right, that's right.
2: I'll piggyback off of that because in my marriage relationship, the dynamic is kind of swung. So when I first met my wife, she was already I want to say one or two years into her career, out of grad school. Meanwhile, I was finishing grad school and working four different jobs while doing grad school. You know, so at the beginning, she made more money than me, and then. The pendulum swung to where i started progressing in my career and we're both in counseling but she's school counseling and i'm private practice therapy so obviously the earning potential is much higher for me especially since i now work for myself um so it changed but for me it didn't feel any different when i made less than her than when i now make more than her i can understand what you're saying of You know, if you've kind of grown in those more traditional values where that was because you're taught that your job is to provide. Right. Well, um, and it's kind of a it it feels odd because it's like, well, she don't need me to provide for her. Right. Like she's good. And I think uh, the perspective I want to add to that is not to agree or disagree one way or the other, because it's every unique situation. But I think what a blessing it is that a person we might be able to outgrow that mold of who needs to provide for who. And it's just like, we're all fucking winning mm-hmm. and we're all bossing up together. Like we're all leveling up. You are getting your promotions together and you're doing that. And it kind of goes back to what we said before of we're black people, but we're able to exist and be successful in a world that wasn't built for us. That's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you ask me. So I know that it is something that you'll have to adjust to and like get comfortable with over time, but I think if we look at it from the perspective of we're all winning anyway, that kind of probably makes it sit a little bit better. But I understand the influence of however many years of nah the man's supposed to provide, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. We're wired a certain way. It's hard to start thinking of things a new way. But I think the if we if we zoom out a little bit and look at, hey, we're all winning and we're all getting our opportunities and we're taking advantage and we're growing and involving as people, that feels good. Um, even if the the unique of, you know, cause when you do your taxes, they put it all together.
3: <laughs> that uh, part, And I know yes.
2: because I, I submitted mine on time because I don't like them. Oh, that was I, a shot I, fired, play. No, Ooh, no shots are firing tonight. <laughs> I, I submitted mine and when they do it all, and when it's all said and done, it all mm-hmm. goes down on yeah. the same tax form. So y'all are, y'all are together. It don't make a difference who makes more or the other, because at the end of the day, that tax bill that you have to pay, it says Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> it don't say, oh, you made more money, you owe this and that. So it's it's two together. So it, it really does all balance out in the end. Whether you actually do your finances together or not, because you're married or in a relationship, you end up, her wins or your wins and all vice right. versa. So
3: When I went back to become a therapist, after leaving the field, because I owned a real estate business, that failed in, in the 05, right around the time of the birth of my second child. And I was started from the bottom in community mental health. And so my wife at the time was doubling me up financially. But what I realized that made her a gift to me is that she never, she never did not treat me like I was the man. Okay. Yes. And so no matter whether I doubled her up or whether we were going through whatever, or whether I had illness, I was always the man. And to me, I know that's old school, y'all, so y'all young folks, listen to me. But to me, it's important for a man to feel like a man. And if you're going to come in and you're going to take over, you're going to emasculate me, then we can't be together. Because then I'm going to be somewhere else where I'm going to be the man. And you can be at the house and you do your thing. But my wife never did that. I've always been the man in the relationship. Now, that don't mean I don't run roughshod like she'll say she'll beat me up. So, it's not like that. <laughs> but but we make decisions together. At the end of the day, at least I have the thought that I make the final decision. Y'all know that ain't true cuz they <laughs> won't. Right. But I, at least I feel like, "Honey, what do you want to do? Is it this or that? Whatever you say is going to be okay." And then I said, "Whatever you say." And then it works perfect. You know, so I needed that. I need to be the man. Just in case y'all don't know, if you saw me walking down the street, I'm short and I'm thick, and I'm. I used to be a ball player. Now I'm struggling with mobility because of hits and all of the stuff in life. But I'm still a giant in here, in a here, and, and, um, and heart. Yes. Yeah, and so I need that to be respected, and and that has always been respected. And to me, that made it easy. So Cam, when you're looking for a lady, make sure she's on your side. At the end of the day. You know, all the ladies got lips, hips, and fingertips and all of that stuff. But make sure that the lady that you choose is going to be on your side. When all of that stuff goes away, she's going to be, she's with you, okay? And you with her too. Don't I mean, It's not one-sided, but right. y'all y'all have to be together forsaking all others, as the, the people in the ceremony say. That's
4: a good point. Thank you.
3: Did you want to
0: add anything, Cam?
4: I, I do and I don't. I don't know if I am... I don't know if I haven't experienced enough to really point on this because I'm so young and, you know, salary. We want to were... hear
2: what you have to say, though. Yeah, so we do. Yeah. Share your right. experience.
4: Wow. <laughs> All right, let's dive into it then. My last girlfriend, right? <laughs> my, my last girlfriend. Mind you, I'm, I work for myself and it's, it's a starter. It's an entrepreneurship. It's a rough, rough journey. But my last girlfriend, she jumped into her own optre- entrepreneurship along the lines of OnlyFans and she was raking in red. And it was good, you know what I mean? But there was other aspects of it, right? Exactly what Clay said that hit the spot is I did not feel like the man. It was just because she's a very dominant person. So we were both very dominant personalities. And ultimately, she was just not the one for me. But to speak on that, it did hurt. It did hurt. And to kind of bring up what Mike Michael said, like, yeah, that that punches at your ego, And I know that's my ego, right? So I try to kill it. I try to overcome it. But I think in the end, the best mindset to kind of adapt to is is it's a teamwork. A relationship is teamwork all around. It is you two versus the world. And I might not have that yet. I'm working to get that mindset. So that's all I can say.
2: And I think the, the equalizer between Clay had said about like, I need to feel like I'm the man. I don't have that deep need for me but i think um the equalizer is that each person in a relationship because i said in the beginning i don't when you say well what is the definition of a man me personally i'm like well we're humans right if we go from that base we can understand each other but i think in a relationship whether it's the man the woman or the person You are going to lose at the relationship if both people don't feel that they have a say. So like you were joking, Clay, oh, well, I want to feel like I get the decision, even if I don't. It's more so that are we still collaborating with each other? Are we still in a team? Uh Are we unilaterally doing this? And I think Mm. to flip it on its head women have just as much value as men do in our humanity, right? And I think as Cam had said, if you have someone who's very dominant, but also she's getting her paper through her entrepreneurial, how she makes her money and stuff like that, if that supersedes and it overrides in the relationship of, oh, I'm the boss, I'm the one who's doing this, and you shut out the fact that you have to collaborate with the other person or that that other person has just as much value and that we're in this as a team. That's when the relationship breaks down because she needs to feel like she's the woman. Good stuff. Right. Yeah. And not the woman in the sense that it's subservient to man. It's like, no, I am that bitch. That's right. And you need to respect me. That's right. Right. She needs to feel that just like the man needs to feel like I'm the man. Sure. Right. I agree. So, both people, there can't be a big, huge shift in one of those or the other, or it's not going to work. There are times where one may, it may be a little bit off kilter, but as long as, and I wanted to flip it on its head because it's a, it's a gender, it's a perspective thing, but every person in a relationship has to feel that they have that like that value to the other person but they also have some say whether it's one makes more money than the other or one has more influence or power or whatever is farther in their career than the other you still have to be able to come back to that like we were saying before are we together are we collaborating are we being weird together are we still on that same page and then when it falls off of that and you're not on that same page anymore maybe that relationship isn't the one for you So I just wanted to equalize that because I think it's all good information. Yes. But I also like stories. So I'm also proving to you, Clay, that I can debate. No, you're great, man. (laughs) Good.
3: I like it. I like it. You're awesome. You're awesome. In fact, I was going to call. I was going to say, Rock, send me his email because I want to work for him. (laughs) I understand. Well, this leads to the next question we have. So...
0: Do traditional roles exist within your household? For example, how do you determine who does what pertaining to chores, child rearing, paying the bills, that
3: sort of thing? Okay, I've been dealing with some physical stuff recently, so my wife has been cooking, but before that, she doesn't like to cook, so I like to cook. So, I cooked. We made enough money. Nobody likes to clean, so we paid for that. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, it was almost like we did whatever was needed when they were babies, I had to get up sometimes and change them and feed them. She did it most of the time. To me, there's a pile of work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. There are two able-bodied people who need to do it. Bills need to be paid, food needs to be made, people need to be taken care of. It's our responsibility, not any one person. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's funny, I get beat up because I'm a task-oriented person, so when it's time to wash clothes, I want to wash all the clothes, but I don't like folding them. Mm-hmm. So I washed the clothes one day, all the clothes in the house, and my mama said, oh, she's got help. Man, that's better than it was. So I was patting myself on the back, and I was like, you know, my mama told me that I, I'm doing a good job because I washed the clothes. Mm-hmm. She, my, my wife said, well, you ain't doing nothing because you ain't folding them. So brought me back down to earth. It is our responsibility. That's all I'm saying. That. Everything, mm-hmm. everybody can do everything.
5: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, some of you may like something, you may be able to handle something a little bit better. Handling the cars, that's fallen to me, but we all can do it.
5: Yeah, I agree. I will say, however, there's some things that I'm still traditional about, if I'm being honest. I got two boys, one's 15, one's 12. Um, my 15-year-old is my size, boy's 15, so he's like, dad, when he talks to me, and I'm like, damn. But he's taking out the trash, he's cutting the grass, He's cleaning up the trash outside and some of those things that are kind of dirty and traditionally manual, I have my sons do that. I'm having my sons carry that type of stuff out. And it's not a shot at my oldest daughter or my fiance's two daughter. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying I really feel like some of this dirty stuff, if we're power washing the patio and scrubbing and cleaning, my sons are doing that. Now they're capable. The females in the family are capable but I'm not having – for me, I'm not having them do that. Now, as far as like the cleaning and cooking, when we first moved into the same house together, she was getting home from work later than me. So I was doing all the cooking and getting the kids out to their sports and doing all that stuff. Since the pandemic, things kind of switched because I'm back to work and she's still home. So when I walk in the door, nine times out of ten, there's a hot meal. you know. So now she's doing all the cooking. And we both understand completely that nobody wants to do all the cooking. Nobody likes to do all the cooking, but we kind of do things together. It's not her role to cook because she's a woman. We're not doing that.
2: Mine's not that remarkable. There are some, obviously, if you've heard anything I've said before, I don't particularly wholeheartedly subscribe to traditional gender roles. There are some things, though, like Mike had said, where it just kind of you fall into those camps. Like when. I don't have a car, I have an electric car now, but when I had a car that required oil and gas before I would change the oil, I would learn how to do that on YouTube and just do that to save money, right? And I would do it for my wife's car. When it comes to mowing the grass, we moved here right before the pandemic happened, but we never had to mow the grass before because we lived in apartments. But it was like, oh, this is something that I could take pride in. Like, I want to mow the grass. I want to do the edge, the weed whacker, the leaf blower that for me, that was something that I wanted to do. It wasn't a conversation of, oh, I'm the man, I'm going to do this thing. My wife, if I looked at her and asked her, she'd be like, I'm not doing that. Um, She would have paid somebody to do it. Right. (laughs) And so there are some things too, where I will say, you know, as much as I say, we're equal in our humanity, I think most of the men here can attest to the fact that there's a superhero quality to women especially once a child comes into the picture i don't know how she's able to work a whole job and care for our daughter like she does and cook and all of that it's not perfect all the time there are times where dishes are in the sink there are times where laundry piles up i'm very good at doing the laundry drying the laundry and then leaving it in a basket too oh, so man. i wish there was a machine that could just fold up for me me too um Someone needs to get on that. But (laughs) there are times where things do fall into what some people would say are traditional gender roles. However, it's also evolved so much. When the pandemic happened and we were both at home, it was a very different dynamic. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm self-employed. I work for myself. There have been times where I work in an office all the time. There have been times, you know, like now where I'm mostly working virtually from home. So the dynamics of who does what changes a lot. So as far as starting the marriage and the who does what or whatever, it was more so like we were whole grown ass people who had our own lives. We literally had two of everything because we were, already somewhat established and everything. It was almost like, okay, we have to figure out how to do our lives together. And it wasn't so much of, oh, no, now you take this role, you do this because you're the man, you're the woman or whatever. It's never really fallen into that. But we also sometimes gravitate towards things that just happen to fit those traditional gender roles. But it's never a, this is your responsibility because you're the woman. And I like it that way. I don't think I would do well with being told i have to do something just because i'm the man in the relationship
0: okay as a woman i can say i do have expectations Um, there's certain things that my husband as the man i expect him to do it's not fair but i do have that expectation if we're in a car together yeah you put the gas in the car things like that i expect him to protect the home of course We've had some interesting conversations about expectations and roles and that sort of thing. But Zell, he's probably along your line of thought. It needs to be a conversation about it. It's not just an expectation because I'm the man or because you're the female. So I had to change my stance on a few things. Um, But just being willing to have a conversation about it, I think, has been important. But no, that expectation is there. I have very clear expectations about what it means to be a man. And you got to show up and do that. Right. <laughs> Regina, you understand, right? It, there's certain things you have to do. If they don't yes. do that, it's just, no, we don't like that.
1: Yes. Where my husband was living, it was certain things. I don't do outside. You can do outside, mm-hmm. but I can take care of inside and the inside. I'm totally going to take care of. <laughs> you might not like this orange paint, but I want orange paint. So yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. we had a conversation like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yes yes (laughs) you either do it or you pay somebody (laughs) I really really don't care as long as it's done I'm just not gonna do it
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Regina asked a question about chivalry
1: yes so what do you guys feel about chivalry like this is a new generation I know we got 20s 30s we got all age groups on here you think it should be expected for men to still open the doors like Raquel said I expect for you if we're riding together you're to pump the gas because a lot of what I see now is the men sitting in the car and the ladies are pumping the gas and I'm like um mm, uh, no that's not happening over here so what do you guys think about that is chivalry dead or does it still exist
4: I think it's hard to say. I guess the standards are changing. Mm -mm. But in my opinion, I think that's something that should always be valued. I think that's a part of a relationship. I feel like a female finds that attractive and, and a guy should find pride in doing those things. You know what I mean? And I think that's a part of the relationship is to kind of go up and beyond for the most simplistic things to make the other person happy or feel safe or, you know, just have a moment of rest and you take on more brunt work.
1: Mm -hmm. So do you think, um, what if you meet someone that's misindependent that is kind of fighting against that? Do you take a stance as a man to say, look, this is what I'm going to (laughs) do.
4: I think if she is hell bent on doing it, She can go ahead and do it, (laughs) but you know what I mean? It's, it's awesome if she was already independent and used to doing that, but if I step into the picture and I want to do it, then I hope she lets me do it. You know what I mean? Or even if it's something along the lines of, of then figuring out the balance, I do something and she does it, or she does something else. And then I take care of this. So I think there's a balance with everything.
3: Okay. That's good.
1: For the married men, do you guys still open doors and all that good stuff?
3: I don't. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking, y'all. I was thinking, though, my son has been trained to be a gentleman. And I don't know if that is going to be valued as he comes into 18, 19, 20 years of age. Mm. I don't know if if that would be appreciated. He pumps gas and he will open the door for you. And he's always done that just naturally because that's the kind of kid he was. Mm -hmm. But I'm worried that he's going to run into some people who will beat him up for his so-called toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. because he is taking charge and trying to be a gentleman and help people. And I don't want him to be faced with any uh, undue issues with anybody just because he's opening the door being nice. They're doing the right thing, as I would say. Mm -hmm. But he knows how to do that, and and he would naturally do that. But you know, just like with cooking, and just like with taxes, the thing you want, you encourage, right? Mm -hmm. And so people have to learn how not to discourage the thing that they want. They have to encourage the, the thing that they want so that more of that thing can happen. And so hopefully they will treat him that way, you know?
1: I like that you said you don't know if it will be appreciated because I think that's the that's the main thing is will it be appreciated?
2: I would add to that. I don't have a a child that is a person that I've raised with certain values that I'm about to send out into the world. So I don't have that vantage point. But I guess the way that I can conceptualize it is that you equip your child with all of the features that you would want them to have in the world, because we're, as parents, we want to raise the best human beings and make the world a better place through that generation. Um, give them all of the features, like think about a car on a lot, you got the base model, you got the one that's like all souped up with all the Mm -hmm. bells and whistles. We want that. We want that top of the line. We want that to go out into the world. Now, whether or not the person who buys that car, will use all of the features, we can't control that, right? Um, So I think it's good to have equipped, I think it's him, Yes, the the son, yeah. yeah. So uh, to have equipped him with what you want him to have, but we can't control how the world will perceive that or if it will be valued, right? In my own relationship, the traditional chivalry things of getting out of the car, walking around, opening the door, I think that it's kind of a mixed bag. Like we said, the gender roles and stuff like that. Like I mow the grass. My wife and I drive separate vehicles because we work in different areas, but mine doesn't take gas. So that's not even a thing. Hers does. But if we were road tripping somewhere, I do. I don't remember a time where she got out and did the gas. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it was a conversation. It was more so I'm usually the one driving. Mm -hmm too because I prefer to drive, right? So I think that there are just certain things that it may appear that way, but there are times I think in the morning I take my daughter to preschool in the morning. I'll have my coffee, I'll have a smoothie, I'll have a pack of diapers that I need to bring to the preschool with me and I'm supposed to be getting my daughter to the car, right? And I'm like, Rachel, get the door for me. You got to get the door for me because <laughs> my hands are full, right? Mm-hmm. Or I might need you to take maya jane and put her in her car seat so i think in my relationship it's more so asking the other person for help because it's never been a i need to get out and get the door for you that sort of thing but it's more so we have that communication where if i need your help or my wife might be like oh i need to return this package to ups or something like that and she'll ask me for help it's not a oh i see a package there, so let me take it it's not a I have to do this thing. It's a, we communicate with each other. What do you need from me? So it's not traditional in the sense that it's those small things per se, but sometimes it just happens to be where, Oh, I'm going to grab the door. It's, it's not a every time thing. Uh, It's a, what is your need? And I'm I'm trying to be right. in tune with what it is that you need. So it, it seems a little bit away, it's, it's further away from the traditional, but it's also, I think, if you can come back to that communication and the other person knows what you need and you know what they need, then
1: you can be okay. And that's where the uh, team teamwork think, comes in. But, the word teamwork, mm-hmm. yeah. I have
0: two daughters and my daughters are fiercely independent to the point where they don't want anybody opening the doors for them or pumping their gas. It's okay if someone offers that because sometimes you open the door for a stranger mm-hmm. so if someone does that it's okay it's not a bad thing but I think the way that kids are raised these days or women not all but some women are raised is the notion that I can do any and everything for myself and I don't need someone to do something for me right I'm, I'm a feminist you know but I could take care of myself there's a danger in that to some degree
3: mm-hmm. but rock you it's know not a need though right it's, it's not a need. When I open the door, it's not a need. Of course, it's not you, a need. You can do everything I can do. Right, exactly. You, in, in many things you can do better than I can do. Mhm. So, right, it, but it's not a need. It, sometimes it's a way to just demonstrate love. To me it's a nice gesture. Yes.
0: Right. If you see it in that regard, then it takes away some of that social right, pressure I, of you know expectation that a man is doing this for me.
3: Right. No, it's I not I can't it's, do it for a, myself. It's a love. It should be a love step. Type thing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's very difficult to demonstrate love in so many ways. And one of those ways, I'm sorry, y'all, Zulu is having a fit, so <laughs> sorry. But but demonstrating love is, it, we do that all in those ways, man. We cook, we love each other. We do stuff that they like. We leave gifts. We say nice things. you on my team. we together. And so this is how I demonstrate that I love you. Right. I'll say this, I I
5: love being able to open the door for my fiance, especially, like, if we're going to the the grocery store, I'm not going to go to the other side, open the door for her to get out. But if we're going out, then I'm going to go around the car door and I'm going to open the door for her to step out. And then when we leave from wherever we are, I'm going to open the door, let her get in, and then I'm going to go around and get in the car. Um, those kind of things I value, I love giving those little gestures, and then, one thing that I want my son to maybe do one day is that when you guys are planning on going out, beat her down the step. Because when she comes down the steps and that reaction, like you see in the first time and she's ready to go out, like that's golden. You blow her head up and let her know she's doing her thing before we step out that door. So Those gestures, I'm not changing that. And I know the world's changing, things are getting different. I don't think that's toxic. So I'm gonna keep doing that. I know there's certain things that men want to do that are considered toxic, like opening car doors and wanting to throw my fiancé's head up when she comes down the step, dress nice, but tell her how good she looks, how good she smells, and before we step out, I don't think that's toxic, and I'm not going to change it. I don't think that's a bad thing. I know things are changing, but I don't think that's bad.
3: Cam, Mike, and Donzell, foreplay is always happening, okay? <laughs> and to me, sweeping the floor, washing the dish, washing some clothes, opening the door— That's foreplay. That's B4 (laughs) foreplay. So, okay, 16 play, right? Yes. I'll add
2: to what Mike was saying, too. Uh, It's not toxic to have a traditional gender role, to have uh, chivalry. I don't believe in and of itself those things could be toxic, just like I don't think in and of itself there's a specific, like, uh, gendered trait to something that you could do in a relationship, right? the only time it's toxic is if the communication isn't there. And the reason I say that is because you have to respect the boundaries. So Raquel says she's got two girls that are very fiercely independent feminists, right? And I think it was you. Yes, it was. mm -hmm. Okay. And so if they're who they are unapologetically, so the person that wants to be in their space with them has to understand and value who they are and respect that if they come with those traditional chivalry things cool that's cute however this does not like i said that brand new car with all the bells and whistles this particular driver doesn't want the heated seats and the sunroof of the car mm-hmm. so leave them be so i think it's only toxic when you don't respect the boundaries if you're trying to impose something because you feel that that is just how it's supposed to be That's how it can become toxic. So the traits in and of itself, the opening the door, the beating them down the stairs, the sweeping the floor, all these, there's nothing toxic about a particular behavior, as long as there's the communication with the other person of what they want or what they need, and that you're not trying to impose some sort of preset set of things. Like if we're using that metaphor of the new car, you're trying to use every single bell and whistle all the time but it doesn't fit for every single situation. You don't need heated seats in the middle of summer,
3: you know? Right. Um, I do. So,
2: well, you but. probably got the AC on with the heated seats. I do. That's, that's your own mental health right. that you have found to work on. But, but um, yeah. that's my that's my perspective. It's not toxic unless you lack boundaries that's, and you lack communication good. of what yes. the other person, because at the end of the day, you're in it together. It's not... Cause You can do your own thing. You could be fiercely independent and all of that stuff on your own, whether you're a man or a woman. But it's when you bring yourself with somebody else, you have to have those conversations about boundaries. Otherwise, that power differential is going to shift and the relationship might fall apart or someone ends up being abused.
0: I hear you, therapist. I hear you. (laughs) Boundaries. Good stuff. Good stuff. Stuff. We have about 10 minutes left and uh, there's so much more we want to talk about so I don't know if you guys are open to doing a part two because we want to talk about fatherhood um, and dive into some other things uh, health uh, are you guys interested in the part two or do you want us to just wrap this up and leave those questions we have aside or what would you like to do is everybody open to a part two?
1: Oh yep. yeah I like this,
0: this team okay right okay So we'll go ahead and wrap up for now and figure out the best time to meet up again to continue this conversation.